0: now recording. I am Jonathan Dixon here with Grandma Arta-Jean Christensen. Say hello, Grandma.
1: Hello, Grandma.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We're here on the My Family Her Story podcast and it is April 7th, 2021. Our goal here is to preserve in podcast form stories and memories for future generations and to have a good time. Today, we are talking about the uh, late 50s, early 60s period of grandma's life after grandpa has gotten out of the army and headed back to Utah for college education. And you are in the midst of raising all of your, your five under five years old uh, children. So uh, we we earlier, we had some fun stories about the move from South Carolina to Utah uh, including a very funny story about uh, trailing the guy because your headlights went out and him being quite (laughs) uh, scared for a while but then accepting. Um, Tell me about the move from South Carolina to Salt Lake City or sorry to to Utah to Provo. Uh, What what did you expect what didn't you expect and uh, how did your new home compare to your old one
1: well we signed into the to the um, let's see first we couldn't get into the married students housing because uh, i guess there was a waiting list or something so we couldn't get there immediately so we, uh, we took an apartment in downtown Provo along with my brother Carl and his wife, Aunt Sybil. And uh, they had, we had uh, Jeannie and they had uh, Dee, Dee Warnock, their oldest, their oldest son. And uh, we were both expecting again, and we lived together, shared shared this house, this apartment. We rented the whole house and it had it had two bedrooms. So we each had our own bedroom and and then uh, shared the rest of the house, shared the kitchen and everything. So that's, that's where we that's where we were living for a while. And uh, then Our baby was born um, first Jolene and she was born in in Provo and uh, then they had a baby coming and she she was born later. She was born a little later than Jolene. Um, So anyway, this this was our circumstance after later after that we we moved up to the to wymount to the BYU married students housing but at this time we were still living down in uh, in Provo and we had a a serious accident happen in which um, Jolene got it. Jolene, the baby, three months old, got a bad burn on her hand and on and kind of on the side of her side of her neck uh, at the same time. At this time, Don, Don wasn't at home and uh, It, w- it was evening, and and I had to take the baby to the hospital. So, uh, Sybil tended Jean, our our one year old, and um, Uncle Carl took me and Jolene to the hospital to to have the burn taken care of. And so, um, I was really I was really grateful to have to have them with us at that time helping me out at this at this moment that was that was difficult for all of us. Well then I when when things when things were settled, quieted down and we went back home, Don Don had been off uh, he was Tired, He told me, I'll back up just a little bit. He told me when we were in the army in uh, South Carolina, he used to say, I wish that I had some of the money now that I will earn in the future because we need money now and I'm gonna make a lot of money in the future. And I wish that, that we had some of that now. I thought that was a quaint thing for him to say. I had no idea what he was really talking about, but, but uh, anyway, now at BYU, he was, had decided to try to make some money by building a house. And uh, he wanted to build this house and rent it out. Another thing he used to say was we need to have something bringing in money while we're doing something else. We don't, we shouldn't always be dependent on what I can earn with my hands. And I thought that was interesting too. He had all of this planned out in his head uh, and I was amazed at how much he knew about all of this stuff, but there was more to come. I got more amazed as time went on anyway. He had been, the reason he wasn't at home that evening, he had been over in, um, in Provo, laying out, laying out the, a house that he was going to build and the foundation was gonna be made of cinder blocks and he was, he was putting all of that together that night and so then we he came home and we, ha, we had, had all that news about the baby getting hurt and all of that kind of stuff. Finally, everything quieted down. We all went to bed and we're just laying there in bed. And I'm kind of stark awake thinking about about this poor little baby who's hurt. And all of a sudden he says, I did it wrong. And I said, what, what, what are you talking about? He says, I have to go back. I did it wrong. So he got up, got dressed and left and went over to the, to the uh, house where he had, where he had built the found, this cinder block foundation for the house that he was gonna build and he knocked it all down. So before it got set up hard and uh, then he came back and went to bed and he said, I just had to go and and knock it down before it set up because I did it wrong. And I never did understand what it was that he did wrong, but but he was just laying there in bed and thinking about it and suddenly he realized what he'd done wrong and he went over and knocked it down so he could rebuild it in the following days. Well, that's just an, a little sidelight story. Um, then then we moved up to Wymount Village and we were up there for a while and he was finishing the... <clears throat> This house that he started to build, and and he got he got that all finished. He was Grandpa
0: studying and working on this house at the same time, or was this sort oh, of yes,
1: yes he was. Um, he hadn't he hadn't he was still he was still taking classes at at BYU, and um, <clears throat> he took um, he took classes in in um, I can't think of the word for it, but how to build houses. <laughs> Construction. Yeah, and uh, and he also took classes. He took a law class that helped him understand the the basic. Uh, operations of, of law he took uh, he took some other classes that had <clears throat> kind of had to do with the the with business uh, approaches anyway he was still taking classes and and building building this house he he, he got the money for this house from his mother, she was willing, she willingly let took a mortgage on her farm and got the money for him to build this house that he was that he was just starting and, and trying to to get underway with his business. So he's he's doing all of that. And we live in this upstairs apartment. I'll just say this about about trying to trying to take care of my two babies neither one who could neither one of whom could walk and i had a i had a washing machine upstairs in our apartment to to uh, wash the clothes with and then the, there was a, a clothesline down, downstairs in the yard and so my one of my dilemmas was how do you get the clothes and the two babies downstairs at the same time? And so I would, I would take, I would take uh, one baby in my arms and in one arm and the clothes basket with wet clothes in it. and and go down and then I had to leave one baby there while I went back upstairs and got the other baby. And there was this question about the, can I leave the baby that can walk? Where is the safest place to leave her while I I transport the other one that has a little, she had a little kind of like a little bed. We didn't have car seats and things like that in those days, but we did have this little tiny bed that, that I could, I could leave her in and she'd be safe for, for two minutes while I went back upstairs to got the other baby. But this is just an illustration of, the, of how it was to try to, to manage with these, uh, with these babies that were close together in age. And uh, they were just exactly a year apart, uh, both born in February. Just one sidelight to that when they were when they were teenagers and they they looked a lot like they had long brown hair and people would ask them if they were twins and so they they thought up this cute thing to say they used to say yeah we're twins our birthdays are 5 days apart <laughs> and then nobody could figure out what to say to that what your poor mama she had to wait five days for the next baby to be born or what and and they they wouldn't even they wouldn't even admit to her that they were pulling their pulling their leg we used to call it
0: that's Jean and jolene my mom
1: yeah that's so fun that's just a fun little story about when they were when they were grown up but anyway that's just one little little aspect of of living in that upstairs apartment and trying to figure out how to, how to get those things to happen. Should I leave one, the one that can walk, should I leave her in the crib, standing there in the crib while I take the other one downstairs and come back up for her? Or shall I take her downstairs first and hope she won't walk away or do something strange while, I go up and get the baby that's in the little basket. Anyway, uh, in the meantime, I, I said Don was taking classes on construction and and uh, business and, and things like that that would help him with his with his chosen career. And I at this was,
0: point, kind of, oh sorry, at okay. this point, did, did Grandpa know what he wanted to do? Or was he still exploring?
1: Well, he had sort of, he had sort of got into this thing about about building. His brother was had a, his brother was building. Uh, he had a job building houses, and uh, so he kind of had a little in uh, on the on the idea of building houses, and he was kind of exploring it by building this house to see if he could build this house and maybe successfully rent it and get some income coming in. Uh, Hopefully he'd be able to rent it for more than the mortgage payments that he'd taken out on his mother's farm. So you see the, just the beginning rudimentary uh, ideas about how how to make a little money while he's going to college. So then, some time went by, and uh, he's got this house completed, and we just had an we had an experience right then about. um, about the ward that we lived in and we, it was tithing settlement day in, in the, in the fall and or in around Christmas time. And so we took an assessment of what we had. We had enough to pay the tithe, our tithing. And we had, we had like, $20 left over. And we thought to ourselves that we could manage that, and the $20 would probably last us long enough to get something. There'd be something to feed the babies with, and we could have food, and that would maybe last us. So we went to tithing settlement, declared our declared our tithing to the bishop, and we're feeling satisfied with what we'd done. And the bishop said, now, he said, there is this thing called the ward budget. And we don't even have that nowadays, but so I always have to explain what that was. In addition to tithing, they wanted a contribution to help pay for the lights and the heat and the water bills and the whatever to maintain the, the church house, the, the ward building. So we sort of looked at each other and he said, we've been thinking that for the students, we thought that maybe $20 would be about right. <laughs> $20, exactly what we had left. Nothing, not, that left us with absolutely nothing. So we, Don pulled out his wallet and gave the bishop the $20. And we walked out of there Thinking to ourselves, now what are we gonna do?
0: <laughs> I can imagine.
1: Yeah. So it was the it was the day after within within the week within a, two or three days after that he was able to sell that little house that he had built. And with that, we had, then we had funds. We had made a little profit on the house and and we had money in our pockets. So I felt like that's a tithing story to be told over and over again because we had no idea that that house was going to sell right away. It could sit there for a year and we didn't have any money coming in. So... We didn't know. When we walked out of the bishop's office, we had no idea where we were gonna get any money from. But the Lord blessed us. So backing up a little bit, just before just before this, before we actually sold this house, we had a, a tenant in there and there was a, there was um, the possibility that the rent would come in so don had a new idea in his head and he had been searching around and he found on the on the east side of provo somewhere around 33rd north and about 10th East, something like that. He had found a piece of vacant ground, pasture land actually. And he, he thought he could buy that. And he talked to the owner and he, he had made some previous arrangement about it. And then he went to our, to our tenant and he said, I've got a chance to buy this, this land that I'm talking about, but I need some cash for the down payment, the earnest money. And uh, can you pay me the rent uh, a week or so in, adva- in advance uh, before it's actually due? he'd thought it through and decided that that was one place that he could get a little money and he got the he got the rent from the tenant took it took it to the buyer the seller of the property and made made the arrangement and then he subdivided the property he went to the to the uh, city and all the all the things that needed to be done to make that into a subdivision, put a, put a street and uh, water lines and sewer lines in and all of that kind of stuff had to be done. So he, he planned all of that out and got that started. And, uh, and at the same time, put, when he got it subdivided, when they got the subdivision approved, then he put, <clears throat> put it up for sale. And advertised it, and people began to come. And he just had bare ground, but he would tell them, "This would be your lot, and this this would be the next person's lot, and like that." And he'd show them what it was going to be, and he talked people into buying this this um, unfinished property, and he sold he sold all the lots. And as he sold them, he used the money to buy the property with, and to put in, to begin to put in the, the improvements in the subdivision. So gradually, it started looking like a, like a a town with the with streets, and uh, uh, cur- curb and gutter and sidewalks and all those kind of things that he was putting in there and and he sold every one of those lots and so he had when he got done with that he had enough money left over that he had two lots clear that belonged to him
0: this is incredible so just to recap the events there's a there's a pasture for sale and grandpa goes to the house that he built with his own hands and So the house that he built with his own hands and paid for on a mortgage on his mom's farm gets rent a week early, uses it to buy the land, get to put a down payment on the land and then subdivides it into lots, sells the lots before there's anything in there, uses the money from the lots to pay off the purchase of the land and to pay for the uh, in in uh, the like the water, the gas, the electricity, and then after all of that, there's enough left over that he now has two perfectly connected lots to put houses on in Provo. And this is this is like Grandpa is such a mover and a shaker. <laughs> this is so cool that he could just work the. Amber calls it social alchemy when she, when she turns work into money in a way that feels somewhat magical. Uh, Grandpa was a, was, a, was a social industrial alchemist. He could take land and then turn it into houses, but then the, use the process of turning it into houses, to fund the process of turning it into houses, and then keep some on the end on the other side. This is amazing.
1: Uh, <laughs> well, you recap that very well, Jonathan. And that, to me, this is an absolutely amazing thing. And it, and then I began to see what he was talking about back in the day, a year year or two before that, when we were in the army and getting. a month for pay. (laughs) And he was saying, I wish that I could tap into some of the money that I will make in the future. And I began to see what he was talking about. And from those days right on up, I never worried about what he was doing. He always knew. He always knew. And he always was able to turn a profit. And he was always able to to put things together in such a way that that uh, we did have sufficient in the first days. It wasn't a lot, but it was always sufficient. And then later on, it became a lot. But that was uh, that was you 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 uh, recap that very well. What what he did with that. There's a little more to the story. He. As he be, he took these two lots that that were here that belonged to him, and, and he he just said, "I just need somebody on the other end of the board as we work as we build these as we build these buildings." So he got his brother Garn, who had recently returned from his mission and, and was recently married. And he he got he talked Garn into coming in and being partner with him, and working on that project. So Garn moved. So they built two duplexes on these two lots that that he owned, one on each lot. And Garn Garn moved his wife into into the one and he moved us into the other one and left school complete that was when when he let school when he whatever time it was at the end of a term or something why then he he moved us over there and and quit school and put just devoted his full-time then to the to his building projects but as he began he he had the street in and he had the the curbs and like that in and whatever was needed. So now it begins to look like like uh, a town instead of a instead of a field. <laughs> and so he somebody came to one of the buyers came to him and said he'd changed his mind about this property and and did he want it? Did Don want the property back? He'd sell it back to him. And so Don said, certainly I'd like that. So he bought, the, he bought the lot back from the man that he got it from. But by now, see, he's got a little money ahead so that he can do that. So anyway, he, he buys it, it back and begins to build another duplex on that, on that lot that he bought back. And then another guy comes along and he says, I don't think I wanna live on this street that's all duplexes. You want to buy this lot back? Every one of the buyers who had financed his whole project bought their uh, sold their properties back to him. Oh my goodness! (laughs) So he even (laughs)
0: even at the end of it, he had (laughs) he ended up owning the whole block.
1: He did. He he ended up owning the whole thing, and I I am. I'm not sure now, but it seems to me like it was about 10 lots in total. And so he built a duplex on every one of those lots. And as soon as the duplex is finished, he rents it or he sells it to somebody who wants to rent it out. And we had a render in the other half of our duplex. Garn had a render in the other half of his duplex. And you see, money's beginning to come. It's working. His project, his whole idea is working. So, Do you know the
0: address of the this street? Because I'm sure it still exists. And I'm in Provo right now.
1: Well, it we had to hunt, we found it. We had to hunt around a little bit for it the last time I went down there looking for it, but we found it. And it's about it's about 30 east and Tenth, I mean, south, a north, third north, and around tenth east, something like that.
0: So around third north and tenth east in Provo, Provo. or an entire subdivision of duplexes.
1: Yeah, it's it's one street with two duplexes on each side of the street, and uh, it's close to. It's close to something called, I think it's called Seven Peaks. It's some kind of a a place that people, like a water park or something, that kind of a resort. Anyway, you might be able to look, you might be able to find that because your mother was with me one day down there in Provo and we, we just took it in our heads to find it. So we drove around till we did locate it, we found it. So it's still it's still there. I, wa- I wondered at the time because we kept running into this Seven Peaks uh, resort area. And uh, I thought, well, maybe they just mowed down our houses, our duplexes and built that thing on top of it but didn't turn out to be that way they're still there but they're very close to that to that uh, resort thing anyway after after we get after we get all those things uh, all those things built we got a new baby while we were living in that in that duplex and uh, we kind of teased each other about that we said we got we've got two cribs we got we got two two big sized babies and now we have a brand new baby and we don't have any place to put her but we did have a a chest of drawers and so we just pulled out one drawer out of the chest of drawers and put the blankets and things in it padded it all up and let the baby sleep in the drawer <laughs> we didn't close her up or anything she just <laughs> slept inside the drawer like a box but but you know when you're poor you do you do what you do, can do but we <laughs> that was kind of funny because there was our there was our third baby with no place to put her, but she slept in the drawer for a, maybe a couple of months before we finally got a play, a, a crib for her. But anyway, then, then when he got all of that, when he got all of that built and he sold, he sold all of those duplexes, made a good profit on them, so he had a little nest egg of money. And he said, I just want to go to Salt Lake and and live and build in Salt Lake. He felt like that there was not enough, I don't know, business, enough uh, industry in Provo. He wanted to be in a bigger place. So we... We moved in 1957 when Mary Kay was maybe six months old. We moved back to, we moved up to Salt Lake and he built, he built a duplex for us to live in, in in Salt Lake. And then, Right away, he just started his his business up in Salt Lake, and the two and the two of them worked together on it for quite a while. And and then Don started wanting to wanting to keep some of the buildings that he was building and collect the rent off of them, but Garn didn't think that was a good idea. He didn't like the idea of of dealing with tenants and trying to collect rent when they didn't want to pay and trying to deal with their their problems if they had a if they had a plugged up toilet or <laughs> or whatever anything might be something on that order why he thought that was not not in his liking and so he did they they divided up and and Divided the assets and and each went their own way. And Garn went to building houses, and Grant Don went to building, kept on building duplexes and selling selling the duplexes. And then, as I said, began to to keep some and uh, and put tenants in there instead because. Don's second little mantra that, that, he want, that he kind of lived by was that there should be something bringing in money when rather than by his own labor, by his own hand labor. He said, we, I need to have something that's bringing in cash while I'm resting or asleep or anything other way. I, so, so that was why he started uh, keeping some of his properties and, and putting uh, putting tenants in there. And how, then he- How go far ahead. into school,
0: sorry, how far into school was grandpa when he decided to go full-time into work?
1: Well, he went to school for a year, I think, up at Utah State, and then- Maybe maybe two years. So he did BYU
0: and then Utah State.
1: At, at BYU. He so between the two of them, I think he had about, about three years, something like that.
0: I didn't know that grandpa had also done uh, done some time at Utah State as well.
1: Did his time, that sounds like <laughs> sorry, and it's not like did <laughs> Learned for a year. <laughs> oh, couldn't resist that one, Jonathan. <laughs>
0: hey, I'm in the middle of finals week right now. College sometimes feels like a prison. <laughs> no, it doesn't. I, I'm very happy. But uh, uh, so he was. He was within a year of graduation when he decided that he was going to full time.
1: Yeah, something, uh, something like that. So, so we're we're uh, we're into about uh, 1960 now, somewhere along in there, and we've got another little. In 1960, we got another little boy, a boy, uh, another baby who was a boy this time after three girls. And uh, so that Martin was born in 1960 and we're living in a, we're living in again in one half of a duplex. And uh, Martin Martin got really sick uh, just before he was a year old and he had a he had kind of like a stomach flu or something and and he was running he just was running a high fever and he was he couldn't keep anything on his stomach and and he was he was very very ill and I i called the doctor late at night in those days doctors would take phone calls <laughs> and th- this 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 doctor said that she was going to come out and look at him and th- this was amazing to me because doctors didn't generally speaking, didn't make home calls, but but she did. She came out and she said, he needs to go to the hospital. She recognized the fact that he was becoming very dehydrated and he was getting very listless. And I had been sitting him up in the, I had been trying to get him to, to drink water and things like that, but he, he wasn't holding it down even. So, anyway, he was he was very sick, and so anyway, she came out and said, "You take him to the hospital, and I will meet you there." And so, he, i I took him. We got Don's mother to come, and she was she had an a, a, She lived near us, and. We got her to come and take care of the baby, and we—I mean the other kid, the other three kids—and we took the baby him to to LD to uh, primary primary Children's Hospital, which at that time was up above LDS Hospital on the hill hillside, and. Uh, They hadn't yet built the new hospital over on the east side where it is now, but, but that little baby was awful sick and we met, we met her in the foyer of the hospital and it's the middle of the night and she installed, the doctor installed an IV in him and started started fluid going into him and he and then she said we're going to take him up to the like the fifth floor or whatever it was and and uh, get some x-rays made before we before we admit him to the hospital but she's holding i'm holding the baby she's holding the iv bottle up high so it will drip in and she's got the iv running in him and by the time we got on the elevator and off again on the fifth floor, he was sitting up, looking around, and and his life was just flowing back into him. So that was just one experience we had with the with the, the baby that um, that I was very grateful for. That doctor who was willing to come and tell us what to do in the middle of the night, because I don't think he was. I don't think he'd have made it till morning. This was a this was a new, this was a very sick little boy. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's just that's just one. Uh,
0: to pivot a little bit in in those early times, with all of the little kids and with Grandpa working so hard to build the uh, houses and duplexes. Uh, what was the, ugh, this sounds so lawyer, but what was the, the division of domestic labor like? Was it uh, divided in the more traditional way where you took care of the house and when grandpa got home, he, uh, like, what was that like? How, how, how did you guys divide the labor of, of homemaking between the two of you?
1: well this was this was way back there so basically my job was the home and his job was the job and uh, and it wasn't like he didn't help out he always he was very good about helping out with with doing the dishes and helping helping with the little kids and all kinds of stuff like that but uh, it was more like he, he took care of his end and I took care of mine. <laughs> anyway, we did, we did go one time to a, to a family reunion and I overheard, I, Don took, we were at a park family reunion style and Dawn took one of the one of the one of our babies and, and took took her and changed her diaper. And these old timers at the reunion, I, I just overheard what they said, and the one said to the other one, look at that. Did you ever change a diaper? <laughs> no, I never changed the diaper. Wow, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was kind of kind of interesting and i and i do re- recall that particular thing so it was just as when at the time when it was changing from it's all mother to dad helps
0: <laughs> and it sounds like don was on the on the, uh, the the front of that of uh, that helpful wave so that's very funny. Yeah.
1: Well and he and he was really good with the kids too. He loved to play with them and sing sing to them and get them to to get him to play games with him and like that. And he was he was really good with the kids and it was it was he was a fun dad all the way along. But it was just it was just new. It was just coming on that to uh, that dad's kind of helped in the in the with the children and probably with the household but
0: so this time of your life was a very uh crucial time to sort of sow the seeds that you would reap for the rest of your life in uh raising your children and grandpa starting his business, which would become great and successful. Um, My last question for you this evening is what advice do you have for young adults that are in that place in life where they're coming out of school, they're getting into work, they're having small children and they're planting those seeds that they will then harvest for the rest of their life.
1: I just I just think in regard to in regard to all of the, all of those things that you've named, I think that the thing to do is work together, be together, help each other. Uh, I helped Dawn. When he was trying, back when it was him and Garn together and they were trying to set up a bookkeeping system and neither one of them had a, the slightest idea how to do it. They didn't know. They, they just didn't know. This was not in their field of knowledge. And, and so I, I helped him set up the, set up the bookkeeping system because I had worked in that before and I knew how to do that. And that was just that was just one of the ways that that I helped out with with the business, but then they he Don helped out with the children and with the house and all of those things. So it became a, a cooperative enterprise and. That was exactly what it should have been. It should have been a a a cooperation because the... You're both both in this together. You're both benefiting from what's going on and you're both um, building, you're both helping, you're both making it happen. And that's the way it should be, and that's that's that would be a, a, an idea that I would give to to anybody. Just be cooperative, be helpful, be um, supportive with each other, and that way you'll you'll just Always be happy. I believe that with my heart. I believe that, that if you're working together, you're gonna to be happy. But uh, have we got time for me to tell how Don got us into our new house that we still live in?
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: He, we fi- we finally got to a point where we finally got to a point where we felt like we had enough assets that we could that we could have a house that we could uh, that we could live in and stay in, and as we don't want. His brother, his one brother that had been in the, in the business in the building this longer and do had moved his family into a house that they had built. And that, while he built another one, and then he would move his family, he would sell the one they were living in and move them, and then the process would go on again, then he would build another one and he would sell one that they're living in and move family into the new one that he just need when it was completed. So I said, I'm not willing to do that. I want you to leave us in this duplex as long as it's necessary. Until we can build a house that we can live in forever and just keep it, we I don't I don't want to move from house to house to house to house. <laughs> anyway, that was that was our plan, and we got to the, we were in this we were in this two bedroom duplex, and we had, we had four four children, and expecting the fifth one, and uh, it seemed like we were kind of crowded. In that little bitty, in that little bitty place, and so, so now Don is saying we've got we've got enough to that we can we can do this. We can build the house that you want, and we'll we'll work work that way. So we planned the house together, and we made uh, made our house plan and our our. Put our dreams into it. All the things we could think of that we wanted to have in this, in this house, and um, and Don was looking for a place to build it. Where we, where shall we build this house? And he came. He came to this. Uh, he came to this subdivision, and as he was approaching as he was approaching this lot, he could see this vacant lot at the, at the end of the street or near the end of the street. And he said, the spirit just whispered to him, this is where you can, and I said, well, I, you gotta take me to see this place this place where we're going to live because honestly that's decided so and we we picked this we we did buy the lot that he had seen and the spirit between that this is where we should where we should settle down and that's the lot that we still live on after after like close to 65 years now and and that that's always been that's always been Don's uh, first and first priority is the the kingdom of God, and and it was the very it was the very last the very last thing that he talked about at the end of his life. He said, "Anything to build the kingdom," and that was, uh, and that's that's been his that's been his uh, his determination first and last was to to serve the Lord to the best of his ability. So we can we can finish up with that, I guess.
0: Well said, and a wonderful note to end on as well. Grandma, thank you so much for having this conversation today, and uh, I always look forward to doing these with you. Uh, I love you very much.
1: Thank you, Jonathan. I love you too.